name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. My name is Father Matt, I'm one of the co-rectors here. It's Easter Sunday, Christ is risen. Woo! <clears throat> Today we hear in the gospel reading from the gospel of John about Mary. She came, she saw, she ran, she told. She returns, she remains, she stands, she weeps. She stoops, she looks, she sees. She pleads, she turns, she sees. She intercedes, she hears, she turns, she sees, she holds. She's commissioned. She leaves. She proclaims. The good news of Easter is that the tomb is empty. And the ministry of new creation begins in the same place creation was subjected to sin and death, in a garden. Bring all your fears. Bring all your tears. And look again at the empty tomb. Death has been defeated. Hope is reborn. Christ is risen. In contrast to the 12, <clears throat> who we are told twice later are hiding behind locked doors, in our passage today from John 20, Mary goes looking for Jesus and comes twice back to the dudes who are cowering in fear. Mary comes while it's still dark. As soon as Sabbath is over, the first day of the week being Sunday. So Mary came as soon as possible, John wants us to know. We worship on Sunday because Mary saw that empty tomb on this day. Do you realize that? Mary's the reason you get Sunday off from work. <laughs> Let's go, Mary. Up top, sister. Her first thought when she sees that empty tomb is go get the fellas and let them know. She came, she saw, she ran, and she told. Why? Because the tomb is empty. And the ministry of new creation is beginning. In the same place creation was subject, subjected to sin and death. A garden. So bring all your fears and all your tears. And look again at the empty tomb. Death has been defeated. Hope is alive. Christ is risen. She came, she saw, she ran, she told. She returns. She remains. She stands. She weeps. Mary doesn't have to come back, hey? She doesn't have to. She told Peter and John. She didn't have to come back. Peter and the one Jesus loved, considered in the tradition to be John, were told that uh, he outruns Peter because if you had a chance to write a gospel, why wouldn't you troll <laughs> your buddy Peter? And not only say you outran him, but also you were the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> she doesn't have to come back, but she does. She returns, 
She watches Peter and John peep around and finally, they finally believe her. It's clear that this belief, we're told in John's gospel, is just believing what Mary said, that they had taken the Lord from the tomb. Because verse 8 says this, then the other disciple who reached the tomb first, because again, why wouldn't you take the chance to troll how slow Peter was? (laughs) The other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead, then they went home. Do you understand the belief here? The belief here is that what Mary said was true, that Jesus is gone. Not that he's been resurrected from the dead. That's not quite what they're believing yet. Notice, that's a lot of work just to believe the word of a woman. (laughs) But some of you know what that's like, right? Imagine if there weren't two men there. Or even one man. Or no men. They couldn't see for themselves. Notice when the guys show up, Mary fades to the background. Do you notice that? She kind of fades in this part of the text of the background. Notice there's no gratitude or honor expressed to Mary here by them. They come, they see, and they split. But Mary remains. Verse 11. As soon as they're gone, Mary comes back to the foreground. We're told in verse 11, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Now, let me set the scene here real quick. There's a reason why they split. And there's a reason why these 12 guys are hiding behind locked doors. Because they all assume that Jesus has been taken, stolen, that the grave has been robbed. This is a capital offense. Especially the body of a political dissident like Jesus. He was killed with political revolutionaries. This is the kind of thing that followers would do of a political revolutionary to uh, create all kinds of hysteria and rumors about he's not really dead. So they know Peter... John, even Mary, they all know that if there's an investigation over a missing body, guess who the primary suspects are? Pete and Jack and Maria. But when the guys split, she stands. And she weeps. She returns, she remains, she stands, and she weeps. Because the tomb is empty and the ministry of new creation begins in the same place creation was subjected to sin and death. A garden. So bring all your fears, all your weeping, and look again into the empty tomb. Death has been defeated. Hope is reborn. Christ is risen. She stoops. She looks. She sees. She pleads. Why does she stoop to look into the tomb again? She's at least looked twice. Or once. And then Peter and John confirmed what she'd seen. I don't know. Why do we do the things we do in grief? No, grief doesn't make sense. Some of us, some of us, 
even here this morning, even on Easter, when people are blowing ridiculous horns. Some of us can get stuck in a grief place. Even with cowbells and vuvuzelas all around us, we can get stuck in a grief place, compulsively focusing on that place, the moment where we lost what we loved. Grief makes us do unintelligible things. So why does Mary look again? I don't know. But she was sad. So I guess we kind of do know. Here's what I do know. Not all gardens of despair and loss contain angels. But this one did. Why are you weeping? The angels say. Notice, these questions get asked a lot in Scripture. You know, Jesus asks people, what are you seeking? The blind man comes to him and says, son of David, have mercy on me. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? These are like duh questions, right? This isn't Jesus interrogating, or these aren't the angels interrogating. These are God's representatives attuning to human need. The compassion, the attunement. Mary pleads for Jesus' body. Left by her friends to grieve alone, through tears, she sees God's messengers in the place of death. In between sobs, she pleads for what she's looking for. This is the good news of Easter. The tomb is empty, and the ministry of new creation begins right where creation was subjected to sin and death, a garden. So bring all your fears, all your tears, and look again with Mary into the empty tomb. Death has been defeated. Hope is reborn. Christ is risen. She turns. She sees. She intercedes. Now the action picks up speed here. Really fast. Mary turns for some reason. Again, we're not told. And sees Jesus standing there, but she doesn't recognize him. Jesus repeats the compassionate question. Questions that take her desires seriously, that hold her grief as precious. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Again, Jesus knows these answers. He's not interrogating her. He's attuning with her. Mary repeats the same question to who she thinks is a gardener. Both times she asks for where Jesus' body is, still thinking he's dead and has been stolen. She can't fathom that he now has a resurrection body. It's not even a possibility for her. She can't fathom that death isn't final. She can't fathom that this tomb is a womb that births new life for the entire cosmos. Now, if we were in a Baptist church and I had 40 minutes to preach, <laughs> I would go on and on about all the crying women Jesus interacts with in the Gospels. There's, there's a lot of them. There's a woman who in the city who washed Jesus' feet with tears in her hair. There's the women who follow Jesus carrying his cross, the weeping women. There's Mary, 
who came to Jesus weeping about her brother. And then there's Mary weeping. Alan Dwight Callahan says it like this. In the Gospel of John, the tears of a single, kneeling, anguished woman summon the presence of the risen Christ. She turns, she sees, she intercedes. She hears, she turns, she sees. This is how fast the action is now. She hears Jesus call her by her name, Mary. Mary didn't know that it was Jesus, but Jesus knew Mary. And his saying her name causes her to turn again. Lots of turning here. This turning is a, is a picture of conversion or transformation. And she says, Rabboni, or teacher, she sees. When she hears, she turns, and she sees Jesus for who he is. Have you ever heard Christ call your name in grief? Have you ever received the presence and intimacy of the risen Lord in the midst of of soul-wrenching sadness? It can be the only balm strong enough to bring us through something as strong as death. Sometimes it's the before sunrise still in the dark seeking for what's been lost, choking out requests between sobbing and stooping when all heaven breaks loose. If we can't grieve death, we can't receive resurrection. Is it okay to say that on Easter morning? Here's the good news of Easter. The tomb is empty and the ministry of new creation begins in the same place where creation was subjected to sin and death, a garden. Bring all your fears and all your tears and look once again to the empty tomb. Death has been defeated. Hope is reborn. Christ is risen. Finally, she holds and she's commissioned and she leaves and she proclaims. She doesn't want to lose Jesus again, would you? If I saw Jesus' resurrected body, I would hold on to that sucker. We get this idea that she's clutching to him. Again, if this was a Baptist church and I had 40 minutes, we would talk about how in the garden a woman grabbed a fruit and destroyed humanity. And in this garden, Mary wants to grab the resurrection fruit and she's told to let go. And there's this beautiful picture, this contrast of what happens in Genesis 3 with what's happening in John 20. Ask Father Ben about that after the service if you want to know more. <laughs> but Jesus says something I think fascinating, and this is, we miss this. We, we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate Ascension Sunday later in the liturgical calendar, and for us, the resurrection and the ascension are kind of two different moves, but not for Jesus. It's all one move. Because he says, I, I, uh, my resurrection isn't finished. <laughs> he says it. He says, I'm going back to my Father. You can't Hold me here because not only am I coming out of the grave, I'm going to the right hand of the Father. Resurrection without ascension isn't complete, Jesus says. 
And he says, and he acts as though it's better for him to go to the Father. He tells his friends this earlier in John, and now he's saying this, implying this to Mary. I take that on faith this morning with all the saints in Hebrew 11. I don't, I mean, I wish he was here. I'd sure hold on to him. That feels like it would be better for me. Anybody with me? But I take it on faith this morning that him sitting at the right hand of the Father is better for me. Jesus takes this moment to commission Mary to go proclaim the good news of the resurrection and ascension to those racked with fear. So she leaves, which means she releases. She moves out from a place of encounter and being known, a new imagination for resurrection life to share this with others. She proclaims, I've seen the Lord, and repeats what Jesus has said. Are you able to receive this today? Maybe you're feeling like you're one of the ones locked behind a closed door. Maybe your fears and tears and pleas and sobs are a constant companion. Maybe all the tears dried up long ago. Or maybe you sprang out of bed with Easter in your heart and jelly beans dancing in your head. When I wrote that, I thought of Remy. <laughs> he asked to blow my uh, vuvuzela earlier, and I told him no, so you may have to do some triage there later. He looked like this morning. Maybe you came, I mean, I got three texts this morning from people who were like, Christ is risen, blowing me up. I, was, I went to bed at 10.30, I woke up at 2, laid in bed for an hour and a half, went down on the couch, read for an hour, tried to sleep for another hour. At 5.30, I was like, how am I going to preach Easter Sunday? Did not wake up with jelly beans in my heart. <laughs> Finally laid back down in a bed, got another 90 minutes of sleep. But I had lots of people blowing me up who woke up with Easter all over them. And I just was like ticked off that I woke up. <laughs> Maybe you're full of joy. Maybe you hear Jesus call you by name this morning. Maybe resurrection bursts forth all around you today. Maybe hope and joy and proclamation permeate your very being this morning, wherever you are, however you are. There's room for everybody today in this garden. This is the good news of Easter. The tomb is empty. And new creation is beginning in the same place that creation was subjected to evil and death, in a garden so bring all your fears, all your tears, all your joy and jelly beans. And look once again at the empty tomb. Death has been defeated. Hope is reborn. Christ is risen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's customary on Easter Sunday to reaffirm our baptismal vows. Vows. And so I invite you to stand with me and let's respond to this good news by reaffirming our commitment to Christ. Through the Paschal mystery, dear friends, we are buried with Christ by baptism into his death and raised with him to newness of life. I call upon you, therefore, to renew the solemn promises and vows of holy baptism by which we once renounced Satan and all his works and promised to serve God faithfully in his holy Catholic church. 
Okay, now I'm going to say something and you're going, to, you're going to heartily respond with the bold. Do you reaffirm your renunciation of evil and renew your commitment to Jesus Christ? I do. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in the prayers? I will, God's help. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? I will, Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbors as yourself? I will, Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? I will, May Almighty God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us a new birth by water and the Holy Spirit and bestowed upon us the forgiveness of sins, keep us in eternal life by His grace. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.